0: Hey guys, welcome back in to the Flag Hunting Podcast Golf Edition here for the Cognizant Classic. Uh, if you couldn't already tell, um, which you probably couldn't, it's only ten seconds in, but I am by myself, solo podcasting for the first time, I think in my life, um, at least for a show that goes out to the masses. So this will be a lot of fun. Uh, honestly, I don't know how guys like Byron and AB Lack, um, guys that kind of are basically just like solo entities on their own shows on a weekly basis. I don't really know how they do it. Um, This room has never felt more empty than (laughs) me sitting here talking to myself uh, with no one on the other side of the line. Um, And so, yeah, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit because my perfectionism kicks in exponentially when it's like literally just me talking. I can't pass any questions on to Chris or, uh, or any guests that we have on, but you guys deserved an episode this week because obviously last week in Mexico um, I was not having it and not I was not feeling very well. Chris is not feeling feeling very well. Uh, the NASCAR show got pushed back to Saturday, just a kind of a just an overall kind of bad week for for scheduling. Plus, wasn't exactly uh, too juice to talk Vedanta Vallarta in the Mexico Open, but um, but yeah, another week where Chris and I are playing a little bit of schedule tag. I, I sit here on early Wednesday morning recording this podcast. So if I'm a little bit quieter than usual or more subdued than usual, um, I am a couple of Red Bulls deep because I, like I said, I just had <laughs> to turn in about a 15-page word report. But that's beside the point. You guys deserve the constant classic uh, episode and I will be giving that to you uh, to the best of my ability. So again, hopefully this is up to our usual standard, but if not, then don't worry. Uh, we will be making a conscious effort to not only have the show out at um, the same time next week, but we have two really premier guests coming on over the next two weeks of the Florida swing that uh, that I'm very excited to record with um, each of whom I'm very excited to record with. And, and I've been looking up to in this space for, for quite some time, but again, Cogs and the classic 2024, uh, I guess the official, the official uh, name of this tournament is the 2024 Cogs and the classic in the Palm beaches uh, played in Palm Beach Gardens, PGA National, the champions course there uh, in my backyard. I guess my new backyard. I've been a South Florida kid for over a year now. I didn't get to go to this tournament last year, um, but I have already secured tickets for at least Friday. So if you guys are in the South Florida area, if you're listening to this, want to hang out, chill, sweat a little golf, I will be on site. I'll be on the grounds. I'm hoping all day long from sunup to sunset, whenever play starts to whatever play ends um, and excited for it. I've heard good things about this golf course in terms of, excuse me, the, the show that the, the community puts on obviously the field this year is a lot uh, more improved from kind of in years past where this tournament has kind of served as the, the redhead stepchild of the Florida swing in many, in many respects, uh, mostly because it was kind of just wedged between Riviera, uh, which is obviously a marquee event. And then, you know, the two other, the two main courses, if you will, of the Florida swing, those being API and the players. Um, but this year we had Mexico as kind of a little buffer. So we got Rory in the field, which I'm excited for. I've never seen Rory play in person. So I'm going to make it a point to go out there and watch him play a few holes. Um, I've been on the same golf course as Rory, but I've always been following different players. But seeing as how he's the marquee name this week. I'll be following him. We got Cam Young, of course, looking for his first win. Um, Shane Lowry, excuse me, some J M, both kind of evergreen participants here. We got Matt, Fitzpatrick, Patrick um, and, you know, and a collection of other guys that I think are really interesting. So again, not going to be the same caliber field as we see in the next two weeks, but for what we've become accustomed to with the Honda classic, it's, it's, it's quite good. So uh, excited for this golf tournament. Uh, and I will be down there at least for Friday, hopefully I'll be there one on Saturday or Sunday we'll kind of see how that goes but um but yeah we'll be on we'll be we'll be getting my fair share of uh exposure to BJ National so looking forward to that but let's get into the golf course itself um yeah difficult I guess. <laughs> obviously I have my um I have my Scout the Routin article that comes out every single Monday morning on Murderballer, so you can find my pretty extensive thoughts there. This will be just kind of a quick overview of what I think about uh, PJ National. But over the last kind of five to ten years, despite not being you know as long as a golf course like Torrey Pines, it doesn't have like the same kind of intimidating rough as a Mirfield Village um, or you know or on a Palmer for that matter next week at Bay Hill, but two par since 2014. Uh, it ranks as the toughest non-major venue on the calendar. Uh, Has played to a scoring average of 71.41, which is, as a par 70, is a, obviously, is over, or is nearly a stroke and a half um, over par on average to the average field. Um, This year, however, of course, it is a par 71. It plays just under 7,200 yards. The 10th hole, which was formerly the second hardest hole in the golf course, it was a 510-yard par 4. It's been lengthened uh, by about 40 yards, but it has also become a par five. So we're kind of taking one of the hardest holes in the golf course and likely turning it into one of the easiest. So I would assume scoring records are due to be broken around PG National this year. Bit of a shame, to be honest. I I don't think there was anything inherently wrong with the 10th hole. It wasn't like, I mean, just thinking back, it wasn't like a broken hole. It's still, I mean, it was hard. It's conceded a bogey rate of 27% and a birdie rate of just 7% but it wasn't like exceedingly impossible from from my recollection so I don't know I haven't I've yet to hear a, a um, explanation from the tournament as to why they've decided to make this change but hey it does give your guys an extra chance to make a birdie uh, especially on that kind of brutal back nine stretch going from 10 11, 14 15, 17 um all just brutally difficult golf holes. so uh, unlikely we're going to see a winner. I mean, unless the winds really kick up, unlikely we're going to see a winner like we saw in, like, 2020 when Sung J.M. won at six under par. Um, I would anticipate it being a lot more similar to last year where we kind of saw some record scores being set already as the course played right around par, which is the first time it's played um, even close to under par since I can really remember. And obviously Kirk and Cole, I think, got in the playoff at 14 under par. Four different guys. Um Four different guys, I'm sorry, finished at double digits under par, which was a, um, a mark that was only set by seven players previous to that since 2007. So from 2007 to 2021 or to 2022, we had seven players reach the 10 mark or greater last year alone. It was four. So it was a little bit softer last year. Of course, this year, I think that number is only going to increase mainly because of course of the additional par five, uh, on the property. But as for the other 17 holes, they go pretty much unchanged and there are still plenty of difficult golf holes around here. Um, although it's, you know, one of the shorter courses on the PJ tour, I mean, PJ national is similar to Harbor town in the way that like it, the scorecard is very misleading because just because a golf course is 7,100 yards doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to hit wedge on every single hole. Um, Quite the contrary here is, you know, we're going to see about two-thirds of approach shots come from 125 yards and beyond. So it's much more of like a middle, even more like middle iron, some long irons there, but mainly like a middle iron course from like 150 to 200 is kind of my key proximity range this year um, or this week. Most of that is to do with the fact that you don't really hit a lot of drivers at PJ National. Uh, the fairways are quite narrow. They're 29.5 yards. And like I said, there is water. Everywhere, uh, only two of the fourteen holes in this property come with any come without any sort of danger of a potential water ball. So, um, ten of course being one of them. But for the most part, if you do decide to pull driver, like you are very very keenly aware that a missed fairway can very easily result in uh, in a water ball, and uh, <clears throat> you know a potential bogey, double bogey, etc. Other we see a lot of others at PJ National. So um yeah that's kind of the under that's kind of going to be the the main idea um of this golf tournament this week uh it features an average penalty count of 0.73 shots per round that ranks only behind tb sawgrass and pete Dye stadium course in terms of expected penalties shots per round. um and so when you kind of assess the profile this week a lot of what i'm looking for just guys that are reliable enough from t to green to just stay out of the hazards whenever possible um because you're just gonna see guys eject i mean it it could be thursday morning at 8 a.m it could be late sunday afternoon but you will see balls in the water you know scrambles for bogey scrambles for double scrambles for triple it's just gonna happen that's just i mean florida golf unlike last week where guys like jack knapp could kind of fight a two-way miss for a large portion of sunday and you know he definitely got himself in a fair share of trouble but um you know, if you're if you're driving it 30, 40 yards offline around PJ National, you're cooked. Uh there's no way you can get away with the same kind of pop and gouge strategy. Uh ton of force layups off the tee, land. land uh, sorry, narrow landing areas, and obviously the water hazards I just alluded to, mean that uh yeah, I will be basically doing a complete 180 from my driving model last week where I basically just only weigh distance. Uh this year or this week, it's gonna be primarily a lot of Again, accuracy, intensive stats, good drive percentage, favorite percentage. Uh, and I'm particularly filtering for a lot of like club down golf courses. Um, again, I mentioned this in my Scout in the routing article. But again, courses like um, Colonial, Harbor Town, uh, Sedge Fields, Sawgrass, TBC Southwind, you know, like an Innisbrook, a Wiley. These are all golf courses that, again, tend to play quite shorter. They gave you options off the tee. And on a lot of those golf courses, the penalty is quite severe if you do miss. So it's a very similar profile. Those courses aren't obviously all as waterlogged, as we'll see this week. But it's a similar ethos in terms of the driving um, the driving strategy these guys will have to take. So that's kind of the crux of my driving model. is just going to be guys that have continually proven that they can gain strokes off the tee um, at these kind of shorter positional venues that are extremely penal to misses. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily just mean like, you know, your Zach Johnson's in the world and your Tyler Duncan's in the world. Like a lot of longer hitters still do thrive um, at these kind of shorter golf courses, it's just kind of a matter. This is just a different measure or measure I'm using at least <clears throat> of kind of filtering these guys out. Um, because, you know, I, I I do subscribe kind of the fact that if you do try and just force the issue around PJ National and try and take the same approach, you would have at a Torrey Pines or even like a Riviera two weeks ago you're going to get yourself in a bit more trouble than um, than it's worth. So yeah, a lot of words there to just say (laughs) what I usually say around um, similar venues in terms of driving. But here, I'll go ahead and list off kind of some of the guys that popped out to me um, as I sort through my cavalcade of different models here. Great podcasting. Here we go. So the golf courses I mentioned earlier, I have a model specifically designed that filters out for those and weighs the following stats good drive percentage fairways gained and strokes gained off the tee, total driving uh put that all in a model and it spits out over the last fifty rounds Corey Connors number one Sung J M number two Lucas Glover number three Russell Henley number four Tyler Duncan number five Hayden Buckley number six Doug Gim Daniel Berger Shaz Reeby Shane Lowry Um, Fitzpatrick also rates highly up there. Keith Mitchell also rates highly Rory actually rates inside the top 15. So like I said, it's not all about, um, just the pure accuracy guys, but yeah, in general, like if I could only choose one thing, I would probably choose accuracy over distance this week. Not a thing, not something that I say very often on the PGA tour, but this is definitely a week where, you know, some of the shorter hitters are going to be able to maybe at least level the playing field compared to a normal week, especially, um, if we look forward to next week. Iron play, of course, the most important thing, I think, in anyone's modeling this week is trying to figure out who the best iron player in the field is going to be. Um, over the last, what, 11 iterations of the Honda Classic, the winner here has gained an average of 6.4 strokes to the field on approach, um, and no winner since 2012 has gained less than 3.3 shots to the field and approach. Uh, historic top five finishers have gained 40% of their strokes for the field on approach, and uh, that laps the other two T degree metrics off the T's only counts for 17.4%. Around the green accounts for 10.9%. So, um, of the three T degree metrics that we would consider, you know, the most predictive, quote unquote, of all the strokes game metrics approach just laps off the T and, and around the green. Historically, it's been much more important than even the two of them combined. So, um, I will again, I mean, as I kind of already alluded to, it's a lot of middle to long irons here. Uh, 175 to 200 accounts for 25.2% of historical approach shots. 150 to 175 accounts for 22.9%. 125 to 150 accounts for 17.2%, which if I can do quick math, that's about 65% of historical approach shots come from 125 to 200. Um, So I will be weighing again proximity, uh, long-term proximity splits from those ranges. Um, as well as kind of recent splits around the likes of uh, TPC Scottsdale, Riviera, Wai Um, Yeah, those three would be the kind of the courses, at least in the last kind of two months, that I think most or best fit that kind of middle iron profile that we'll see this week. Um, so those are pretty typical stats, things that I usually look at just in any week, proximity and just like recent strokes gain approach splits. I will also, however, are we looking at some of the more, um, I wanna call them just like conservative stats, like metrics that typically reward a more calculated approach. Things like green regulation percentage, I think is crucial here. Uh, poor shot avoidance, which is found on data golf is really, uh, I think a really good stat to use this week, particularly from that kind of key range I mentioned of 150 to 200, because with the conditions here and with the, with the projected scoring conditions I, I anticipate, like. You don't really have to go out there and again fire at every single pin. It's not a Mexico open where you gotta go out there and shoot, you know, 67, 66 to feel like you're really keeping pace at the top of the leaderboard. It's a it's a golf course where on a lot of these holes, like if you've got 175 yards, like hitting to the 45 feet and two punting is gonna be more than ideal. It's gonna gain you more than enough strokes on the greens. You do not have to go out there and just fire sucker pins all week long and uh, and chase parties. This is a golf course that I think really rewards uh, a conservative approach. We've seen a lot of Europeans play well here. I think just for that reason, you know, guys that are able to kind of strategize and think their way around a golf course that are guys that are really um, exposed to the elements, you know, back home in, in England or wherever they're from. Europeans just tend to have a little bit more of that that guile in in, in their toolkits. And so um, yeah, so I will be weighing, it's not just about like proximity to the hold and, and birdie chances created and all that kind of stuff. I will be looking at Guys that are just able to be consistent, and and you know, poor shot avoidance is is a is a stat that I think is super important for that. Considering if you hit a bad shot into a lot of these greens, um, if I got it here, I think 12 of the 18 greens here are guarded by some sort of water hazard. So, uh, oftentimes, it's not really all going to be about just like hitting the five feet. It's going to be more so just avoiding not hitting it to like 20 yards right or left or short or long of the pins. Because if you if you do miss these these pins by a, by a wide margin, uh, you're, again, going to be in some real trouble when it comes to uh, writing down the score within that hole. So, um, yeah, that's my basic breakdown of approach play. Um, I don't have a, a comprehensive model of all my approach stats because, again, I'm kind of drawing different things from different websites. I will kind of give you my weighted proximity stats, though, uh, over the last 75 rounds, um, kind of from 125 to 200-plus, I have each weighted individually based on historic trends and, and distributions around this golf course. But number one is Tom Hoagie. Number two is Eric Cole. Number three is Lucas Glover. Four, Chez Reevy. Five, Sepp Straka. Six, Christian Bezidenhut. uh Taylor Pendrith comes in at seven. Cameron Young comes in at eight. Brandon Wu, Gary Woodland, Akshay Batia, Michael Kim, Corey Connors, Justin Lauer. And Grayson Sig. Uh, Chris Kirk also last year champion comes there at 16. So you already see a lot of correlation, I feel like, with a lot of guys that have continued to play well at this golf course. Um, and that's, again, more of a long term view. Again, uh, I am looking as well at more recent approach splits. So if I can just find the last 24 rounds here. Sorry, this is. I feel like a hoarder right now. I've got so many damn models open. Here we go. So this is the last six months on approach. Um, So strokes get approached over the last six months. Tom Hoagie, Eric Cole, Christian Bezadenhut, Matthew Bavon, uh, Mark Hubbard, Eric Van Royen, Chesson Hadley, Sam Ryder, Adam Svensson, uh, Corey Connors, Justin Lauer, Tom Kim, Carson Young, Michael Kim, and Taylor Pendrith are the top 15 there. Um, So again, a lot of crossover actually between those names. Uh, which is good to see. And then if I want to kind of go into some of the data golf proprietary stats I've already referenced earlier, if we look at like poor shot percentage from 150 to 200 yards, which is my key range, um, you'll notice kind of at the top of this, it now data golf sorts by the entire PGA tour, it's not really field exclusive, at least in their free version. I'm not sure if uh, the premium version of the scratch version allows you to filter by field, but just recognizing a few names at the top of Porsche shot avoidance, so the best guys in the field of avoiding kind of the big miss from five, from 150 to 200. Uh, you'll find guys like Stephen Yeager is up there, um, Vincent Norman is up there, Shes Revi is up there, uh, Cheston Hadley is up there, Carson Young, JT Poston, uh Hood as well, Connors, Norin. Uh, I don't know if Kitty, I don't think Kitty is in this field. Tom Kim is up there, um, Akshay Batia. Grayson Sig, Fitzpatrick, Cole, Gim, and that's about as far as I'm going to scroll down I kind of gave you. It's not a perfect ranking because they're separated by guys that aren't in this field, but those are just guys that popped in the kind of the 95 percentile plus. Um, And then guys that are particularly bad in that range uh, over the last 12 months, Minwoo Lee, has a poor shot percentage of – so I just had it. Here we go. Yeah, he he has a poor shot percentage of ten point eight percent. So, ten point eight percent of his shot from one hundred fifty to two hundred yards over the last twelve months have been categorized by Data as a poor shot. So maybe a strike against Minwoo this week. Um, other guys that are notable, notables that are down here. Ben Griffin struggles from this range. McNeely struggles from this range. That's not really con- that's not really a um, a surprise given how he's played over the last twelve months. But it does seem like McNeely's maybe turned it around over the last couple couple starts. Uh, but he is down there if you're just looking for a 12 month sample. Hostler, Bo Hostler's down there. Um, Ryan Fox is down there. I think Ryan Fox is in this field. Um, Grayson Murray is down there, as is Tom Hoagie and Keith Mitchell. Both kind of sit kind of below PJ Tour average and poor shoppers. So, again, it's not gospel. Uh, yeah, these are just stats that I'm using uh, to kind of make my decision to. Der- it all kind of equates um, into kind of one aggregated model. But again, just a different bit of a different approach for me this week, just given how I feel like the scoring is going to go around this golf course this week. And uh, hopefully that explanation and a few of those names helped you in your own personal process or just affirmed um, priors, which is what we're here for. Just a little confirmation bias. So moving on to around the green play, which I think was one of my larger surprises of the week. Uh, I kind of re- I kind of already referenced the fact that only 10.95% of top five finishers uh, strokes have been through their short games around the green play, which is pretty surprising when you think about a golf course that has such a low green regulation rate. Uh, we're looking at a GR percentage here historically of just 59.9%. Um, and so typically when that's the case, right, golf courses like Riviera and Bay Hill and Augusta, etc., you're going to see the importance of around the greens Jump right like there'll be a larger share of strokes gained around the greens. We I mean two weeks ago Riviera we we weighed short game as much as we've weighted in in some time probably since oh, maybe from Village or Augusta National uh, when you just talk about its share in my modeling and share in my overall weighting. This week, however, the there are two kind of schools of thought, or I guess there are two kind of reasons why I feel like this is the case. Number one is the fact that the low green regulation percentage isn't necessarily just a fact of the greens being difficult to hit, which they, they are. I mean, you're coming into kind of firmer greens with middle to long irons. Like you're going to, it's not like an easy iron test by any means, but I think the sub 60% GIRA is more supplemented by the fact that there are so many penalty shots here and particularly like off the tee, right? Like if a guy misses the, like, if a guy misses his drive, you know, into the hazard, like he's not going to hit the green regulation. Right. So that, that increase in just overall penalty volume, I think, plays a obviously has a negative correlation with the amount of greens the guys are going to hit regulation. And so, because of that, I think when guys are having to scramble for par, quote unquote, it's oftentimes going to be from like 130 yards on the fairway as opposed to just a guy, you know, like last week in Mexico, where you know, like you're going to hit the, you're, whether you hit the fairway, or rough, you're probably going to have a shot at the green. And if you miss the green, it's going to be a simple up and down from kind of green side within 20 yards. Um, this week, it's not necessarily the case. Like a miss green isn't necessarily just going to mean a guy has to get up and down from 20 yards um, to save his par. So that's kind of one school of thought that I've come up with as to why just short game, which around the greens is typically just uh, inside 30 yards from the pin um, so that's kind of one of the reasons why I feel like short game has been a little bit devalued here um, and the second reason is that these around the green complex is actually quite easy around PJ National as opposed to a place like Riviera or Bay Hill or Mayfield Village where the rough tends to be really thick the greenside bunkering tends to be really difficult and you know the greens especially like a place like Riviera or Augusta the greens have so much slope on them that you kind of have to be really dialed in Excuse me, with your with your chipping, in terms of kind of where you're landing the ball, because if you're not, um, you're gonna find yourself, you know, rolling off the green in some cases, or you know, finding the wrong shelf and ending up way farther in the hole from the hole than maybe your shot um, deserved. Here, the green complexes don't have a ton of slope on them. The rough is not all that high either, only two and a half inches, uh, and it's not even a true Bermuda. It's, it's overseeded with ryegrass, which is a little bit more forgiving historically. Uh, when you talk about things like rough proximity. So the green side surrounds themselves are not all that difficult around PJ National. Um and so whenever that's the case, it tends to again normalize, it tends to to uh what's the call, I guess close the gap between the best short game players and the worst short game players because it's just not as difficult to get up and down. Um as opposed again to August National Riviera where you have to be pure around the greens otherwise um you know, you could just be sitting at the same spot for, you know, for two or three shots in a row. So, um, but yeah, the, the numbers don't lie. I mean, around the green play, if you just kind of look at past leaderboards, it's, uh, you know, Eric Cole finished second here, having lost hooks around the greens, uh, three of the last four champions. Um, none of them lost hooks around the greens, but three of the last four gained less than one shot. So they're kind of within one shot of field average in terms of their short game. Um, and we've kind of routinely seen, again, like top five finishers here, have routinely shown up at the top of these leaderboards without gaining strokes around the greens, losing strokes around the greens, et cetera. So um, so yeah, I've actually factored in a lot less than maybe I anticipated. I am still weighing stats like bogey avoidance, uh, things like scrambling because I think scrambling is a more of a general stat where it does encompass some of the, um, some of the skill required to maybe get up and down with a wedge, you know, like Justin Thomas has been so famous for. I remember when he won here back in 2018, um he had a really clutch wedge save on 18 uh got up and down from about 80 yards to save his par and i think he ended up winning uh or beating luke list in the playoff just a few minutes later but yeah that's kind of more of the skill set i'm looking for as opposed to just purely short game um i'm looking for just to got it just all around is just kind of solid throughout his bag avoids bogeys avoids big mistakes and i think a lot of that can be encompassed with with ball striking as opposed to just pure short game so um not seeing around the green is is worth nothing, but maybe a little bit less, uh, a little bit down back at least from kind of what I would have anticipated from a golf course that has uh, sees winning scores of you know seven, eight, nine under. So, and then finally, the uh, putting the green complex themselves here. We're back on the East Coast, which means, or I guess we're back on the in the Southeast, which means we're back on Bermuda grass. First time we've seen Bermuda true Bermuda since Wiley. Um and we kind of had a nice spell there in the fall swing of. RSM and Sanderson Farms. We had Wyndham, obviously East Lake, um, that all were Bermuda grass greens. So we do have a bit of a sample if you kind of look a little bit further back. But again, this is kind of a week where we're in that bit of a transitional period between West Coast, Puana. obviously we had past, past Palum last week and now we have Eastern Bermuda, Southeastern Bermuda. So I'm leaning much more heavily into like long-term putting splits on this particular grass type, as opposed to like, how a guy has been putting in California. I really don't see a ton of correlation. We've seen plenty of examples of guys struggle in California and then get on more familiar services and uh, and play really well. So, um, you know, guys like guys that have SEC roots, Florida roots, um, you know, or currently take up residence in this state or in Georgia, the Carolinas, etc., I think all receive a bit of a, a leg up, uh kind of the opposite of what we were talking about. For the first kind of few weeks of the season and at pebble beach and the torrey pines and at riviera where you know i was betting a lot of guys that have some exposure on poana have california roots are familiar with Kikuya etc much different test of agronomy this week and so i will be weighing um kind of long-term Bermuda grass putting and uh in particularly fast Bermuda grass putting because these uh these these greens tend to run really really fast about 12 to 12 and a half on the stint meter um historically so some of the faster greens we're going to see all year and uh, although they don't have a ton of slope to them they can definitely get a bit glassy and if especially if the wind kicks up um you can you can definitely see some struggles kind of inside four or five feet for sure these these greens can get away from from you pretty quick very similar to kind of what we'll see at bay hill um next week so yeah that pretty much sums up my general profile uh like i said uh, just kind of running down the key stats real quick. Positional driving acumen. So basically, like um, historic off the tee splits at not only this golf course, but golf courses like it that feature a very similar kind of penalty fraction and club down percentage. So, in particular, like a Sedgefield, like an Innisbrook, Sawgrass, I think plays, even though it's a bit bit more driver heavy. Uh, you know, even a place like TBC River Highlands, I don't think is too bad. lie Colonial, you know, those type of old school designs, shorter positional designs. um, That receives a nice 15% weighting in my model. 35% of my weighting goes into just general approach stats. So recent approach splits over the last 24 rounds, um, long-term weight of proximity splits. And then I'm also throwing in some green and regulation splits, uh, poor shot avoidance, all that kind of stuff I talked about that you can find on Data Golf. Around the green, below average weight, only 10% of my modeling goes into a cumulative or I guess an aggregated model of bogey avoidance scrambling a little bit of sand saves strokes getting around the greens, uh, but, but bogey avoidance scrambling are primarily the two, the two scoring stats I'm looking at in that section. And then the final kind of section I'll be having is a little bit of a hybrid of course history and just Bermuda track record. So not just on the greens, but in general who tends to play well in the Southeast and Florida um, because a lot of the courses here have pretty similar ethoses. Um particularly here in Florida. So, um, yeah, for ass putting strokes gained here at Honda over the last five years and, um, just general history kind of in the Southeast. So that is basically everything I've got from a stats, <coughs> excuse me, perspective, all the course breakdown stuff. Um, and let's go ahead and get into the odds board. We're already 30 minutes in, so I don't know whether to be proud that I managed to talk for 30 minutes by myself in an empty room, but, uh, but yeah, I guess it's not Chris. I guess it I guess it is me. I guess I am the problem. Um at, on this show when it comes to being a little bit long winded, as if there was any doubt. But let's get into the odds board, like I said. Um, of course, like um like I mentioned at the top, Rory McElroy, the marquee name in this field, marquee name on the odds board seven to one. If you want to go to Rory this week, um I mean I was gonna say I don't really have any problem with it, but Quite frankly i think there are much better spots coming for him on the horizon um obviously winner of both bay Hill and the players he actually won here back in 2012 as well but uh, i just feel like for for me the number one this is not really a golf course where i really want to lean too heavily into like a, you know a single star right like the single bullet strategy i used last week um i felt like is is you know maybe a bit more oh god i can't even think of the word just a little bit more, <laughs> it makes a bit more sense. Okay. There we go. It makes a bit more sense at a place in like Mexico that again, number one, we've seen like marquee names separate themselves in Mexico, but number two, the doctor uh, promotes a skill set that if you don't possess like length off the tee and like really good long iron play, which is typically a skill that's reserved for some of the guys at the very top of the odds board. Um, you know you're 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 at a severe disadvantage you know that's why we, you know jake knapp even though we weren't on him fits the profile to a tee, right guy that bombs off the tee really good recent splits at, at kind of similarly long iron intensive golf courses at scottsdale and at Tory pines um you know and he, he finds a hot putter for a day i, I don't even want to attribute to the putter i mean he was striping the shit out of the ball for the first two days so but again he fit the profile uh, much like a female, much like a ROM, much like a guy like Cam Champ that we see play well there every single time. He teased it up at, at Vedanta Vallarta. There was a pretty, again, illustrated profile, and there wasn't a lot of trouble these guys could get in. A little bit less variance with the lack of real hazards in play. Obviously, a lot different this week at Honda, where uh, you're just going to get God. I mean, at, at some point, it feels like everyone in this field is probably going to be in the water at some point. Um, and with this much trouble lurking, it just ramps up the variance really throughout Florida, but particularly here with um, with as much water as is in play, as you know, as waterlogged as a guy as Sawgrass and Bay Hill are, um, even they don't compare to like you know what twelve of the fourteen driving holes out here have water on them. So, all that's to say, Rory could obviously win this golf tournament, but again, we're picking spots, not really looking to go to Rory, especially at a golf course where I feel like you know his biggest weapon might be very much taken away with the fact that a lot of these holes are just kind of forced club downs. You're going to play from a lot of the same spots as a guy that hits it traditionally 30 yards past you. And it's going to be a lot of just, you know, take aim, hit good iron shots and, and butt, uh, and just kind of avoid the the big number. So, um, Rory historically, not maybe the most solid entity when it comes to avoiding disaster, um, around more penal golf courses. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be, Going to be out in pretty much every capacity on Rory this week. Cam Young, kind of a similar thing to me, to be honest. I mean, he is striking the ball really well. We bet him at, we bet him at Riviera, and although he didn't, he you know he never sniffed the lead at any point. I think he was like four over through his first like five holes, and Twitter was dancing on his grave on, you know, three hours into the golf tournament. But he rebounded really nicely last kind of three rounds, and uh, ended up finishing 16th at Riviera, gained 7.5 shots ball striking around the golf course so he just continues to just strike the ball every time he sees that that design um this year i mean look i think cam young is is compelling because he does have a lot of really really good splits with the long irons but again like it's just a golf course where he's not really going to get to hit driver a ton he's going to be his i think it's advantage off the tee he's going to be largely mitigated by again just the layout here at honda i much prefer him especially Consider we're, pro- we're likely to get a much bigger number at Bay Hill uh, next year or next week at the at Signature Series field. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a bit more palatable of a number at you know, 23, 24 to 1 that I'm seeing on Bookmaker right now. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've not made the move on Cam Young. Instead, I've moved on two guys that I, I <laughs> kind of like Cam Young, have very, have very different games, very similar reputations. I bet Russell Henley at 28 to 1. I bet Eric Cole at 33 to 1. Both guys that I think at different points within the last like six months, I've like sworn off betting entirely. Um, So we'll see how this goes with them leading the line on my betting card this week. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see if my loyalty is finally rewarded uh, on two guys that I tend to bet maybe more often than the consensus and uh, two guys that have yet to really pay that ticket off or that belief off. But I mean, Henley and Cole. I've just talked about it for 30 minutes. I mean, positional driving, middle iron play, Bermuda putting, like Henley fits all those to a T uh, and Eric Cole, even though, you know, he's not historically the most reliable driver, uh, especially when you compare it to a guy like Henley, when you do kind of back up and you, and you filter for a lot of the recent splits that Eric Cole has had on kind of the golf courses I alluded to earlier being like driving comps to uh PJ national, right. Gain 3.2. Just a month ago at the Sony Open off the tee, 1.7 at the 2023 uh, FedEx St. Jude, which is a playoff event, big field, gave 1.7 off the tee. That's big. Uh, 3.6 at last year's RBC Canadian Open, which, again, different agronomy, different part of the country. But if you remember, Oakmont was a – was it Oakmont or Oakdale? It was Oakdale, not Oakmont, sorry. Oakdale uh, was a golf course that was was shorter, gave you a lot of club down opportunities, but you really couldn't miss the fairway there. The rock penalty was really, really high around Oakdale. If you remember, guys like – uh, I think I had Rose that week, and he was um, – it felt like every other hole he was having to gouge something out of, like, ankle-deep rough. So, uh, that's around that golf course, it was much more imperative to be positionally savvy, keep the ball in the fairway. It really didn't matter about distance as much as um, as a lot of other stops on tour. And <clears> – <throat> excuse me – and Cole had his best driving week of his entire season at that golf course. <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, all this talking starting to catch up with me a little bit. But – Gain three point six, like I said at last year's Canadian Open, two point eight at the twenty twenty three Players off the tee, two point three at last year's Honda, uh, which is obviously now the Coxon Classic. So he's he's proven his mental kind of time and time again. Where if he's ever gonna like spike off the tee, it's gonna be at a golf course like this. Um, and when you talk like after the after the tee shot, middle iron play around the green play putting, Cole's check 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 right across the board. So really the only like gripe I have with these two guys is the fact that they've just routinely broken my heart time and time again. Um, so look, am I going to be the most comfortable sitting there with a Henley or a Cole ticket? If he's like tied to the lead on the back down on Sunday, not really, but at some point I thought the number was really good. First and foremost, 28 and 33 to one on two guys that, you know, Henley's won this golf tournament back in 2014, I believe. Uh, and Cole obviously finished running up last year on debut. So they've had success around this golf tournament. Um, and, you know, the profile just fits to a T and they're playing, they're playing well, right? Henley Henley had his best approach week um, at Riviera since last year's tour championship. Eric Cole uh, has finished top 15 in each of his first three starts. Um, it, sorry. Each of the first three signature starts of this uh, 2024 season. So he finished 14th of the century, 14th at Pebble Beach, 10th of Genesis, all three starts um, against, you know, the best fields that the PJ tour has to offer right now. So, um, yeah, so he's, he seems like he's dialed in. So staying with Henley, and, uh, I anticipate them having a good week, you know, at the very least, if you don't want to kind of, if you don't want to ride the, the outright train, I, I think that both of them are very safe, kind of top 20 plays, maybe top 10. Um, I just think they're, they're really, they're both in line to have a really good week. I don't really see a ton of flaws in their profiles. Um, other guys in this range, uh, I know Tom Kim has gotten some hype. Um, you know, he's recently kind of broken out of that. Spell in the doldrums he had to start 2024. We were all over Tom Kim at golf courses like Kapalua, American Express. Uh, He didn't play well at either of those two golf tournaments and then kind of turns around and finishes 17th out of nowhere at Phoenix. 25th last or 24th, excuse me, two weeks ago at Riviera. So it seems like he's starting to find a bit of form. And, you know, you isolate for driving accuracy and, and middle iron play. Kim does check those boxes quite well. He's a little bit less of a reliable entity to me than than Henley or Cole. I I feel like the floor is higher with each of those two guys. But um, you know, to be fair, Tom Kim has also won three times in the same span that Cole and Henley have tried have combined to win. I think once and have choked away countless uh, leads in the process. So, um, in the case that like all three play to their ceiling, I I I think you can make a really strong case that Kim is a better bet, but. I just think that Henley and Cole are going to be able to reach that hurdle um, a bit more often than Tom Kim is, but I don't hate the bet by any means. Um, Poston is a guy that he kind of reaches out similar to Cole, but Poston notably doesn't have the same acumen on these kind of positional driving tests. Whereas Cole tends to raise his baselines whenever you know you're forced to club down a lot and you don't you you have to kind of just stay out of the trouble. Poston just seems like no matter what. He doesn't really drive the ball that well. So I just didn't see the same amount of positive variance at this type of test, at least off the tee. Um, and recently the irons, the iron splits have kind of what over am proposing to. He had that kind of historic run for you know the last six months, it felt like, of, of 2023, um, where he was legitimately one of the best iron players on the tour. Last three starts, he's lost .7, .3. He gained one uh, at the Phoenix Open, but kind of a net neutral iron player. Over his last three starts, and um, yeah, until that turns around, I don't really have a ton of ton of interest, especially at you know prices of twenty five, twenty eight to one on JT. Um, I don't really want to go through everyone in this field, um, yes, but I'll just kind of touch real quick. Sung J Lowry. Um, is there another guy that kind of fits his mold? Not really. They're they're both kind of the poster boys, Sung Jay and Lowry, of just like really good history around this golf course and around golf courses like it, but like, I just clearly can't, can't trust the the recent form. Lowry would be the one of the two that I actually like a bit better. He's the one that's shown a bit more life with the ball striking. Of course, got off to a really hot start at Phoenix last time out and then just completely capitulated down the stretch, but still gaining all three T degree green categories. Um, he's also the one that has more recent success at this venue for fifth and second each the last two years. Um, Gaining a ton of shots, ball striking. Um, gained 8.9 last year. Gained 10.7 the year before. So, yeah, he's been dialed in over the last kind of two years around PJ National. I think 41 is actually a pretty good number on Lowry. Um, I don't quite have him on the card yet, but I would definitely prefer him over Sung Um Moving on, Fitzpatrick is another guy I think that fits that mold. That's the name I was looking for. <laughs> but Fitzpatrick, a guy that I think – like just based on the profile, I think fits this course actually pretty well. I know um, there are some guys on Twitter that, that jumped on a, the early 35s that were posted on Fitzpatrick. Um, I don't hate it as an upside case. It's just like there's not been a lot that has compelled me in 2024 to to jump on Fitzpatrick um, as one of the favorites in this field. So if you can get a number like past 30, like 33, 35 to 1, if that's still out there, if you grabbed it early – so good for you i think it's i think it's you know the pedigree is worth maybe a shot in the dark he's played really well in florida historically particularly at bay hill which i think is outside of the fact that bay hill is a lot more driver heavy than PJ national i think there are a lot of corollaries to the two golf courses in terms of you know the green complexes being both really really fast conservative nature of the scoring you know just the emphasis on just kind of plodding it around hitting a ton of greens not making a ton of mistakes Fitzpatrick is kind of made for this type of golf so um I don't mind it it's just if he was coming in with a bit better form I'd be kind of all over it but he's lost strokes and approach and looks like five of his last six starts in the PJ tour um you know pretty ugly miscut last time out at Riviera so I don't know I'm just uh not gonna quite get there on Bitsy. of the three I would prefer Lowry um but yeah we'll kind of have to see I've got one I've got room for one more name on the card we'll kind of see uh by tomorrow, I'll make that decision. And Lowry is in consideration, as is Keith Mitchell, uh, who, who I can who can also find at 40 to 1. Mitchell, a guy that maybe outs, like, he profiles much differently to a Lowry, if it's Patrick, a um, Sung Jay, in the fact that, like, I know he's won here, but he doesn't really fit the traditional mold of, like, you know, what I just went over for the last 30 minutes in the course preview. you. Um, Mitchell tends to do a lot of his damage on kind of longer golf courses that, allow you to hit a ton of drivers, right? Phoenix comes to mind. Um, you know, I know he's had some nice success at, at Riviera and, and golf courses that, again, just allow you to hit a ton of drivers. Uh, Arnold Palmer, another one. But the thing with Keith Mitchell, the intriguing thing about Keith Mitchell, the the, the driver is pretty evergreen. Like, he's going to gain strokes off the tee pretty much every single week, no matter what it calls for. He's obviously a past champion here, uh, won here in 2019. But maybe most compelling is the fact that he just had his best iron week in – I mean, I'm scrolling through Fancy National, and I don't actually see. I'm just going to sort by approach. Yeah, literally his best iron week of his entire career. <laughs> Gained 8.1 shots on approach at Mexico, which is a golf course that does does kind of have a pretty similar distribution of kind of middle to long irons. So if that remains sticky, like he is very live to win here at 40 to one, uh, particularly particularly uh, when you consider the fact that he's. Already won here first, foremost. But in five starts here since twenty eighteen, he's never lost strokes putting at the Honda Classic, now Cognizant Classic. So mm-hmm. sorry. So I think the breadcrumbs are there for Keith Mitchell. Um, haven't made the click yet, but he is definitely in that Lowry discussion in terms of final ads on the card. I like Keith Mitchell. I have bet two guys, kind of right beside him though, Corey Connors and Sepp Straka. You can find them each at forty to one right now. I got a fifty. Um, uh, kind of early in the week. So <clears throat> a little bit different of a proposition there, but I still like both their prospects, even at 40 to one with Connors. I mean, there's a case to be made. He's the best ball striker in this field. If you look best, look over the last six months, over the last nine months, and over the last 12 months, he rates inside the top three in total ball striking in both and all three of those time periods. Um, Talk about position off the tee. You talk about middle to long iron play. Check, check with Connors. He's kind of a similar entity to Henley from tee to green even more maybe prolific of a driver of the golf ball. The problem, of course, with Corey is the fact that, you know, he doesn't have the same putting resume as, as Henley does, especially Albert Bermuda. But, I mean, Connors has played really, really well in Florida historically. Um, you know, seventh place finish to the players, 26th in 2021 20, and 22. Um, contended the Donald Palmer back in 2021, has finishes of 11th and 21st there since. Also has a really nice record at the Valspar, two starts, 16th and 21st. Um, and two starts here. He's never lost strokes off the tee. It's been pretty bad from results standpoint, but he's also never played. He hasn't played here since 2020, so he's had you know three years to develop his game. And I, I just feel like again, Connor's just so reliable from tee to green. And this is a this is a week where you don't have to like, you don't have to make every eight to ten footer that you look at this week. It's just a golf course where if he can just go out there and dissect fairways and greens all week long, he can really kind of just stay afloat, tread water, and. um you know, hopefully one good day with a putter and he could be right there in the mix. So um yeah, I mean, finishes a twenty fourth, twenty eighth, and thirty-first at three really marquee fields in Phoenix, Riviera, and Pebble Beach. Coming in good form. Hasn't lost strokes off the tee um since Jesus Christ since the players last year. So he's pretty much guarantees as reliable as they come with the driver. Uh he can get as hot as anybody with the irons. And yeah, we're obviously, you know, we're we're betting a little bit on the putter, but this is a golf course where, again, I don't think you have to gain four or five shots putting. If you can just stay you know, right around the field average, maybe a little above, he's got the TD Green Acumen to absolutely contend here. And Straka, another past champion here. I got him at 50-1, to 1, and I kind of read off when I was reading off some of the long-term weighted proximity numbers. Again, it's a golf course that features a lot of middle to long irons. Straka ranks inside the top five in weight of proximity over the long term. And it's no surprise that he's gained 7.6 and 3.3 shots in approach in his two starts here. Finished fifth and first um, <clears throat> over the last two years. Gained a cumulative total of 7.2 shots on the green. So, this is a golf course he feels, obviously, feels really comfortable on. Um, he tends to obviously always do his best work on Bermuda when you talk about <clears throat> not just his win here in 2022. <clears throat> Excuse me. But his runner up finish uh, at uh, the FedEx St. Jude that year also finished runner up at uh, the Sanderson Farms just a few months after that as well. So, yeah, Florida golf, Georgia guy, even though he represents Austria on the international level, uh, definitely has those Georgia roots. I think those will play very well for Steph this week. And, again, I'm leaning very heavily into these kind of key iron wages and um rates out really well when it comes to poor shot avoidance, raise regulation percentage, proximity to the hole, strokes neighbor shot from those kind of key yardages. So anticipate him being one of the better iron players in the field. And if he can continue on some some momentum that he's found on the greens here in years past, he's once again very live to contend again. Spenson, uh, I'm just going to kind of run through the uh, through the rest of the bets that I made. Like I said, to this point, I bet Henley, Cole, Connor, Struck. I've got two more. Adam Spenson comes in at sixty to one. Um, I bet him as well. He's another guy that I've kind of continued to allude to as maybe a guy that I'm looking to back in the right spots um didn't really like his chances on the west coast just doesn't have a great track record on poana but we're back on Bermuda grass this week um for a guy that again mike straka he's an international player that represents Kennedy, He's from canada but went to college down here at Barry university which is in south florida just uh just a little bit north of miami and uh obviously takes up residence here in palm beach gardens um as it stands so if you were, if we are looking for a place for Spencer to pop, it historically has been on Bermuda Grass Complex it's been Bermuda Greens, right? Finished fifth of the RSM to end last year, seventh of the Wyndham. um, finished ninth here back in 2021 and actually had his best tee to Green week of his entire career. Uh, in that in that ninth place finish, getting eleven point eight shots from tee to Green. Um, so he's he's ball striking it really good. He's a top ten ball striker in this field over his last thirty-six rounds as well. So positive momentum comfortable confines good number i think 60 to 1 uh just finished 10th as well at riviera in his last start so that was in the signature series event against again some of the best players in the world and did that whilst losing 2.7 strokes putting so the ball striking is clearly there for Svenson. um i'm all the way on board for him (sighs) oh god (laughs) making me sick um and the final uh the final name that i bet this week is christian bezaden who at 80 to 1 who i also wrote up um in my Monday article, alongside Svensson and Henley, um, but again, Bazhenov—a guy that historically we haven't really known him as like a premier ball striker on the PGA Tour—but uh, over the last 12 months, man, he has really turned a corner. It feels like, particularly with the iron play, um, over the last 75 rounds, he raked out sixth in mobility proximity model. He's on the 80, he's in the 85th percentile on tour in strokes gained per shot from 150 yards plus, and the 89th percentile in poor shot avoidance from that same range. So. Iron play has been stellar for Bezadeh, not just over the long term, but over the last three starts. Actually, it goes back even further than that. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Yeah, he's gained 3.2, 4.7, and 3.7 shots in approach over his last three starts. I don't have data for him at the American Express, but, of course, finished second there. Um, Hold out from the fairway a couple times and was sticking wedges all day long on that Sunday. So likely to be some pretty provocative approach splits at the American Express. Uh, according to data golf, actually, let me go there real quick. Yeah, he gains uh, 2.15 shots per round at PJ West uh, over those two rounds competitively there. So, yeah, Zed Newt, his approach game is is in real good shape, both in the short term and the long term. We know the short game is world class when it's on, particularly on Bermuda grass greens. He's had a lot of success in the state of Florida, uh, both at Bay Hill uh, and at uh, the Players. You know. Honda Classic, he's, he's has a mixed results, two starts here last two years, 25th and 42nd. But notably, gained shots on approach in each of those two starts and actually gained substantially. Uh, in those two starts of the Honda Classic over the last two seasons, he's recorded his first and fourth best off the tee week of his entire career on the PGA Tour in that time. Gained 3.2 shots off the tee here in 2022. Gained 2.2 in 2023. And so, again, he's another guy very similar to Cole where – it, not, it might not always be pretty in the long term with a driver. Like, I don't really trust Bezayden Hoot to gain strokes off a tee at Torrey Pines or next week at Bay Hill. Um, but it seems like at positional venues like this is kind of where he tends to do his best work. Right, I already mentioned the two starts he made at Honda. But gained, uh, gained, mark, sorry, gained nominally last year at RBC Heritage in an elevated field, plus .2, uh, plus 1.1 at Colonial, plus 1.6 at the John Deere Classic. Um, gained as well at the Shriners, gained at the American Express. So, again, you see a lot of correlation here between a lot of shorter courses, you have to avoid trouble, club down. I think Buzet who has everything it takes to 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 conquer this test, in particular off the tee. And uh, everything else, again, um, from his approach play to his putter, I trust, absolutely. At 80-1, to 1, uh, could not ask for, uh, I think, a better value. I think I wrote him in the article, I was hoping that he would be, you know, 50 60 to one, woke up on one and one saw it 80. Auto clip that, so yeah. Um, I'm uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for the betting card. <laughs> it's uh, Russell Henley as it currently stands. Russell Henley at 28 to one, Eric Cole at 33 to one, uh, Sepp Straka and Corey Connors both at 50 to one, Adam Spencer at 60 to one, and Bazayden who to 80 to one. Um, of the guys that I, ha- I do have room for, I think. One more ad kind of in the 40 to 50 range, um, if necessary. I'm currently looking at, like I said, uh, Lowry Mitchell Yeager is another guy I'm looking at who uh gained nine shots ball striking here last year, uh, has finished inside the top three in two of his last three starts, including last week in Mexico. He rates out really well for this golf course. Um, and Daniel is kind of the last guy I'm really looking at in that 40 to 50 range. He's currently 45 to one on Bookmaker, which is a price that, that I Excuse me, that I quite like. So it'll probably be one of again, Mitchell, Lowry, Jaeger, or Berger. Um, and yeah, I'm going to get off air because I'm starting to uh, get a runny nose and I'm, my voice is dying as we speak. So hopefully this was a worthwhile listen for you guys. Um, let me know if uh, this is a format you like. I actually wouldn't mind doing this as um, an early week thing to. Maybe just introduce you guys to the golf course. That way when we get on when we get on air with Chris on Tuesday and with a potential guest, we can more should sure just talk about the bets. But uh but yeah, that's all I've got for the Cogsland Classic here on a Wednesday morning. We're about 29 hours out from uh T Balls in the Air. So we'll get this out to you as quick as possible in terms of on the podcast speed. Hope you guys enjoyed and uh thanks for bearing with me in some of these trying scheduled times. We'll have NASCAR out by the end of the week. Uh, I don't know quite what Christmas schedule looks like, but this is kind of my last real late night that I have for school, I think at least of the week. So, um, so yeah, with that being said, I've done enough for on in this podcast, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, more low-key episode of flag hunting. We will see you in a couple of days for NASCAR, and all the best in Palm Beach and Las Vegas. Adios.